Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Politics 101, Chapter 3, The Myth of the Just World, Part 2. Here we go. Last time we dispelled the, the myth of the just world, I hope. All right, so let's go on and talk about another terribly important point, kind of, a, kind of a, an outcome of our previous discussion. All successes include political and you, you said it before, when you when we say political, hear personal, right? Right, yes. Exactly. And all successes include political, therefore personal calculations. Yeah, look, it's simple. This is a natural extension of the unjust world we live in, right? Let's let's shed our myth. Let's say to ourselves, the world's unjust. And by the way, when you do that for the first time, it's actually liberating because the more you learn early in your career, the more tension there is between what you're seeing and what you tell yourself you ought to be seeing. Right? Stop telling yourself what you ought to be seeing. Just see. Okay? Humans are both selfish and giving creatures. There's a selfish gene and there is a gene for, well, let's put it this way, for generosity. But not recognizing other people's motives can in fact be that, that, that at times they're more selfish and they're smaller. If you don't see that, then that doesn't help you understand their behavior. And if you don't understand their behavior, it's hard to work with them. Yeah, you're going to be surprised, and being surprised is, is not useful. Yeah, uh, yeah, I say that all the time. You know, you don't, don't be, and, and gosh, over-communicate to avoid surprise. Okay, people do things, folks, because they want to, okay? I, you know, I'm very fond of saying that if you're at work and you say to yourself or to a friend, I'd rather be playing golf or any other diversion, it's a lie. It's just that. It's a lie. You're an adult. You're free. And be grateful and thankful for that. If it were really true that you'd rather play golf, go home, go have a drink, you would be. You would. You'd do it. If it were really true that you would rather. But you have made a calculation that where you are, work, is better for you. Even though golf or drinking or home with your family or a movie might sound more fun right then. And usually that's because we're comparing the world based only on our desires without consequences, which of course would have us on the course. If, there were, if, if, if the world was based only on desires and not on consequences, we'd be on the golf course. I would. Um, we're comparing that world to the real, the unjust world where leaving work would have consequences, which you know you can predict and you factored into your real world equation that caused you to stay at work. Good for we you, do. right? Yeah, right. You, yeah. You ought to. Look, you're smart. You don't want to get hurt. We do these calculations about our behaviors and their results and consequences in our own heads. But we can't see other people doing their own analysis and calculus on behaviors and results and consequences. And, and, and that's the fatal flaw of so many of us when working with other people because we can't understand why they do what they do. And you've got to start including personal again, political calculations, when you observe other people's behaviors. If you're going to interact with Joe on a regular basis, you should know what Joe tends to do, and you probably should be able to figure out why he does it. I would argue that why is a lot less important than what, um, because we're, most people are bad at, at the why, um, and the what tends to stay fairly constant, I have to say. Okay, so that, that gives us some background in terms of the, the, the myth and what it means and how people make uh, take into account uh, personal calculations when making decisions and achieving success. So what does it mean for us as a manager? What 
do we recommend yeah. that our listeners do differently? Yeah. If you believe you're, you're unpowerful, you're insecure, particularly early in your career, you have a tendency to scope yourself down and focus on yourself. And that's exactly, in almost all situations, that withdrawal into oneself in a social organization that we have today, in the organizations of the world that have made mankind so much more effective than all of us working as free agents. Large organizations, mid to large size organization folks have been one of the most important forces for human growth, the reduction of poverty, the reduction of famine, the reduction of war, the reduction of pestilence, the reduction of plague, the reduction of death and disease. Large organizations, mid-sized organizations, human organizations have done that. The moment you start shrinking into yourself and saying, okay, I don't like the world and so I'm just going to do what I need to do, it's exactly the moment to tell yourself, key, make a mental construct that says, when I start doing that, no, the next thing I do is I immediately reach out and I start paying attention to other people's behaviors, okay? You live in a world that you are surrounded by other people's behaviors, okay? You must learn to pay attention to other people's behaviors. I, 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 when I coach people, I say, have a little Bob sitting on your, I say to Bob, I say, have a little Bob sitting on your shoulder, constantly asking, what are they doing? What am I doing? It's literally a, an additional person, an additional mindset in the conversation. We teach this at our effective communication conference, right? We tell people, now you're going to be at the end of the day, the capstone exercise is you're going to be in a conversation with somebody. You're going to have to keep up your end of the conversation while paying attention to their tone and tenor and what they're talking about and figure out what they're talking about and the tone and tenor and then move in their direction in terms of the way you talk and what you talk about and how you deliver your message so that you can connect with them more readily to reduce the chances for miscommunication. And let's be clear here, for particularly for new listeners, you, we're not saying pay attention to what you think they're thinking, right? We're talking about paying attention to their behaviors, what they do, what they say, how they say it, those kind of things, right? Yeah. Look, can I go back for just a second? I, I, I want to I do a high level thing first. There, there's, so much, there's so much to talk about here. And this is only the first in a series. Of, it's the third in a series of casts, but it's really the first where we start talking about pay attention to other people's behaviors. I wanted to say that there are really two ways, two primary ways that we don't see other people or we don't understand why other people do what they do, okay? The first one is we ignore other people. That's the primary way. We ignore their calculations. We ignore their behavioral history. And because of that, they, come, they essentially come into every interaction with us fresh, and we're only thinking about ourselves. We've shrunk our world down to ourselves. We, therefore, are unable to predict their behaviors. We're unable to predict what they're going to say and, and, to, and certainly to a greater degree why they are going to say it. Right. And therefore, we can't predict their impact on us and we can't predict their impact on the organization. And therefore, we can't, we're not willing to consider changing our behaviors in order to deal with that situation. Okay. Some people, I think this is what you were alluding to a little bit. Some people are just not that willing or interested in paying attention to other people. Their, their natural worldview is, Let's not worry about people. Let's worry about work. And that would be the D's and C's of the world. And Mike happens to be a high D, high C. So he tends to be more this way than me. Um, but neither is right or wrong. But I'm a DI. So my D part is, is very willing to say, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to tell you what I think. And then we're going to do what I think. Uh, you got any problem with that? <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm casting this. I'm joking about myself, folks. But if you're a high D as well, don't go hiding in the tree and say, oh, that's not me. That's just Mark. Because 
you know it's true about you. It, look, the D's and C's, task-focused, right? Um, um, they're more likely to be unaware or ignorant of other people's behavioral sets and be able to predict them um, because they're not willing to pay attention to other people's behaviors as much as the I's and S's. Now, there are high I's who are so self-absorbed, and I'm, I'm a high I, and so I've seen this in myself, that they don't think about others other than as an audience. No, no offense, folks. Okay. And look, we suppose that it's possible that, for those of you who know DIS, that there are high S's who would say they care about other people, but aren't willing to do the hard work of paying attention to behaviors and patterns. But, but regardless, the, the point we're making here is there are plenty of people in the world who aren't willing to do this or don't know that they need to. And folks, you've got to learn that you've got to be able to pay attention to other people's behaviors. Other people around you are both friend or foe, and if you don't know which, um, you're going to get surprised, as Mike said earlier, surprising is not a good thing. You're going to get surprised. And professionally, being surprised is not conducive to a long-term successful career. Okay? The other thing, I think this is where you were going. The second way that, that this not seeing other people hurts us is, or not understanding other people's behaviors, not being able to predict their behaviors, is... We analyze other people's behaviors based on what we would be feeling, what we would be wanting in order to motivate ourselves to do what it is they did. Okay. So in other words, um, I see somebody do something. I say, man, he must be this because I would have to be feeling that way in order to do that thing. And folks, this is just wrong-headed as all get out. I can't tell you how many times I've made that mistake. It, you're literally wrong every single time someone's natural tendencies are different than yours. And they're going to be wrong yeah, probably 50% of the time, which is really bad. <laughs> right? That's, That's bad. a lot. No, yeah. yeah, it's a lot. You might as well flip a coin, right? The, the classic example that I love of this is we show an email at our Effective Communications Conference, which is about changing one's communication style. Um, we're a very short direct mail from a known high D. And I think the, the mail says something like, we missed the quarterly finance projection deadline. I need a plan for how you're going to fix it. Okay. And generally 25, 30% of the room, if you ask, yeah, and that's it. This? Yeah, that's all it says. That's it. Yeah, They're only words yeah. in the email. Very short. Yeah. This is from a boss to a direct. It's an actual email that I have seen. Many people, 25, 30% of the room says, that person was mad when he wrote it. And then you ask the high Ds in the room, was this person mad? And they go, uh, no, no, not mad at all. Just being efficient there. <laughs> and we, met, we missed and you're going to come up with a plan because you work for me and I can assign things to you. And, and look, if you think somebody's mad, you might avoid them. You might assume they get mad and that they, they might make rash choices. Your ability to predict their behaviors is compromised. You may choose to stay away from your boss to get guidance on a project because you got that mail and you assume she's mad when in fact she's not mad at all. She's just being clear and precise with somebody. They showed it to you and said, boy, the boss must be pissed off. And so you say, well, I'm not going in there to ask her that question that I need. And then the next day she chews you out because you missed the deadline because you didn't go in and ask her for guidance. That's just dumb. You'll waste time considering options they don't have in their minds. You'll potentially share your concerns with other people. The boss is pissed. Admit it. You do that, right? And then they'll draw a conclusion about you because they know she's not. And you and, and they draw two conclusions. One, you're willing to gossip. And two, you must not be able to, you must not know your boss very well. Or worse, you can't predict other people's behaviors and understand why people do the things they do. So 
The core actionable guidance of this cast is pay attention to other people's behaviors with an eye towards understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it. And you don't even have to be very good at why they're doing it, but you have to start paying attention to people's behaviors in order to predict what those behaviors are going to be in the future so you know how you might respond to them. And I could, we could spend hours on this, but, but the simplest way we know of to study other people's behaviors, and I, it took me two years in coaching managers and executives to figure this out. The simplest way we know of to study, the, study other people's behaviors is to focus on one or two people, one or two of your associates, the people you're interacting with at a time. Oh, I'm so glad you you said that. I I, I found yeah that. you you did yeah you oh. did the whole thing right did, oh absolutely yeah, ten directs yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna so, somehow I'm gonna focus on ten directs behaviors over the course yeah. of all at one time my, my head exploded I swear yeah well in fact you you may not remember it but in our first consulting engagement we were talking about your organization's support of marketing and you guys were the 900 pound gorilla on the technical side of things. And you would say, well, there's several of them over there. They're all doing different stuff. I said, no, no, let's focus on one or two. And I want to talk to you about one or two. Jerry was one of them, as I recall. Although I think Jerry was in PMO. But, but yeah, regardless. Was, yeah. yeah. But, but he's he important. important he's to important. You. Yeah, he was important to you. I said, let's talk about Jerry. Uh, and then we had a good laugh. Um, and and the, the point was, let's focus on one or two. And let's, let's change our behavior relative to that. And we came up with, it's really simple. Here are the behaviors we're going to engage in on a regular basis with him because he has a habit of engaging in exactly the same stuff all the time. And I've repeatedly found when I'm coaching folks, people overestimate their ability to pay attention. They overestimate their ability to keep logs of things, to write things down. They overestimate their ability to draw conclusions other than just making snap inferences about people. If they are looking at several people or all of the people around them at any one time, you just can't do it. It's hard enough to keep up a normal conversation. It's hard enough to meet all your deliverables now. Hell, nobody's doing it, right? Let alone adding, oh, now I have to learn about everybody around me. So all you have to do is pick one, two if you want to pick two, but I wouldn't do it. I'd pick one at a time, knowing full well you aren't, you have, you've been focusing on zero up until now. One's better than zero. Okay. And for 30 days, Pay special attention to what they do when they interact with you, include email, by the way. And we recommend keeping a simple log. Hopefully everyone who listens to this cast, we've, we've had a career tools cast. If you're not listening to career tools, folks, you're missing a beat. Um, but, but in career tools, we've talked about, you can't go into a meeting without something to write with and a notebook to write it in. And we even made recommendations about notebooks to use and pens and pencils to use and so on. And you just set aside a part portion of that notebook where you keep notes on one particular person. Start with somebody who you get a lot of interaction with just to test your ability to pay attention. And look, we're going to keep this within reason in terms of length today. We'll save exactly what to look for details in a future cast. But many of you don't really need a lot of guidance because you're going to start paying attention. And the moment you start paying attention, it's going to become immediately obvious to you. Uh, if you need help in terms of guidance, we want you to look for verbal, vocal, and visual cues. Okay, Verbal cues are the words they say, what they talk about. This is my favorite, what they talk about. Vocal clues are how they say them, their tone, their pace, their volume, their cadence. And visual cues are their facial expressions and their body language. And again, politically, it's been my experience analyzing people politically as political animals, as selfish animals, as personal animals, as animals who want to take care of themselves. The most important of these is what they talk about. Okay. And for now, as you're gathering data for 30 days, don't try to interpret just gather. Trust me, you don't have to try to interpret. Your brain is going to immediately see this as a problem to solve, and it will start trying to draw conclusions from the first, second, third, fourth, fifth piece of data. 
Most of us, though, jump to a conclusion. And all we're saying is, don't jump to that conclusion yet. Your brain will, but just discount it for a while. Because if you start jumping to a conclusion too soon, you'll begin to engage in confirmation bias. You will literally not see the things that are different than what you saw in the beginning. And you will uh, only see the things that tend to support your early conclusions. And one example, one interaction is not enough. And folks, I have to tell you, all the great executives I know in my entire 30-year history as a professional absolutely say, I have a mission, and then it's about the people. And, and yeah, strategy is important. Ideas are important. But man, you I mean, CEOs say they spend 70% of their time listening. And when you watch a CEO listen, there are certainly some that twiddle their thumbs and look away and so on. But when somebody who is important is talking... They are absolutely in rapt attention and they're watching and listening and evaluating and determining and predicting and uh, scenario playing and so on constantly. Okay. Just watch, just listen. Don't worry about understanding and just gather data. And it's been my experience that the moment you have awareness of other people's roles in your success leads to a willingness on your part to pay attention. You got to get that. You got to be aware that other people are involved. And the easiest way to motivate you to do that is realize there are people who are political actors who are working against you. You might as well know that just to protect your backside. Okay. Um, and that causes you to be willing to pay attention. If you pay attention, you're going to develop an ability, some fast, some slow, doesn't really matter. We, you, you don't need to do it overnight to draw conclusions about people's behaviors. Drawing conclusions allows you to accurately predict people's behaviors. And predicting behaviors leads you to an ability to modify your own behaviors to increase your success when you're interacting with somebody who's different than you. That last part's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I look, if you can't predict their behavior, how can you adjust yours? Are you going to do it in the moment? No. No, because they've got a strategy in their discussion with you. They've got a strategy in their project briefing. They've got a strategy in the way the meeting's laid out. You need to know about it in advance. Yeah. Well, what I was referring to is the important part is like, once you can predict people's behavior, you, yeah. you, you've got to be you got to be willing to change your behavior. You're not yeah, going to change exactly. that, Sorry, right? Yeah. That's yeah, that's the point. Oh, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Well, there are two. There, we didn't even get into the other myths or the other the other fallacies that exist. But the, if you believe in a just world and people behave in an unjust way, either the, what some people do is say, "Well, I'm going to change their behavior," which if in, in the beginning of your career you have no leverage, <laughs> you, you're just literally going to get crushed like a grape. Or the other one is you choose to disengage from them, but yeah, you know, it just it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to be willing to change. I'm sure that we'll we'll talk about that on a future cast. <laughs> yeah, we might. Yeah, <laughs> we just there might. Are obviously in 20 or 30 years of recording, and even longer at some point, somebody else taking over for us, Mike. We have to have addressed politics seven ways to Sunday. Yeah, no and doubt. We will. Yeah. No doubt. Okay, so paying attention to others' behaviors. Got that. What other questions should we be asking ourselves in this yeah, that, political yeah. environment? Well, first of all, recognizing that different people are motivated for different reasons uh, beyond just the hygiene stuff like pay and food, clothing, and shelter, that you ask yourself, how does what they're doing benefit them? As you're paying attention, instead of quickly drawing conclusions, take a cue from the more analytical people and the more thoughtful people among us, high D's and I's, people like me, Note that the high C approach here, the perfectionist approach, the conscientious approach works best here. Rather than drawing conclusions, look at the behaviors. Don't draw conclusions. Ask questions of yourself based on what you're seeing and hearing. 
Okay. The question to ask is how does what they're doing benefit them? Not how does it help the organization? What so many people do is they watch somebody else do something and then they try to twist it into how that benefits the organization. And if you have to twist yourself in knots to do it, Occam's razor would suggest maybe it's not, they're not doing it to benefit the organization. They know that it does benefit the organization in some way, but what it really does is benefit themselves. Okay. Don't ask yourself how is what they're doing supporting their team, whether they're an individual or a manager. Don't ask what benefits somebody else gets. Only ask the political question because it's a personal question. How are they benefiting? And you know what? All you have to do is gather data and ask that question and you're going to get it right great deal higher percentage than what you're doing now. Now, a, a, little, a little caveat. It's possible they aren't benefiting. It's possible that what they're doing is really and truly about the company first. But it's unlikely that what they're doing doesn't benefit them at all. And for now, that's all you need to do is to just think about that. Literally doing that for half of the people listening will make them immediately better in interactions. Oh, absolutely. Just literally start paying attention to the people and ask why what they're doing benefits them. And that will cause you to have a new take and be willing to make even small changes in yourself. And suddenly you will be perceived as somebody with influence because mm. you, get al- you get along with more people, you irritate less people. And because of that, they will tend to help you get what you want. And yeah. when you start getting what you want, the organization believes that's the organization's definition of influence, getting what you want. Yep. You'll be surprised less and you'll understand the yeah. world a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> understand the world the way the world is rather yeah, exactly. than the, the way the construct you've created. Yeah. So folks, wrapping up, the world's not just, I'm sorry we were so long on the theory, but you've got to get that. It is a fundamental truth of organizational life. Like it, hate it, I don't care, um, but be smart. Okay. All successes uh, in human organizations include personal calculations or put differently, include political calculations. Pay attention to other people's behaviors and ask how does does what they're doing benefit them. If you tell any reasonable successful or, or seasoned professional, you're not going to play politics. They're going to pat you on the head. Your organization is filled with people. And that means it's filled with organisms with completely normal, selfish motives. Those motives often align quite well with the organization's success. What's wrong with that? You need to pay attention to other people's behaviors and ask how that serves both the company and them personally. Do this for a while, and because you're a human creature, you're going to get good at it, which, like it or not, is necessary for long-term organizational success. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. You bet, partner. Anytime. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it, and hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.